and I will give power unto my two witnesses. They shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees, and the two candlesticks, standing before the God of the earth. Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. Hello again, welcome to Redeemed. This is a teaching ministry of the Cedar Hill Baptist Church of Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Wes Gunther. Today we want to look at the two witnesses uh, that are talked about in Revelation chapter number 11. Um, I'm going to read some of chapter number 11, uh, about the first 12 or 13 verses here, and then we'll talk about these two witnesses, who they might be, what their ministry is going to be, how God's going to use them. Uh, there at the end times during the uh, tribulation period. Revelation chapter 11, there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod. The angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty-two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. They shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees, the two candlesticks, standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must be in his manner be killed. These have power to shut up heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have powers over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues, as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, shall overcome them, and kill them. Their uh, dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, which also our Lord was crucified. And, the, and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put into graves. They shall, and they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, make merry, They'll send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. But after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven, saying, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand. And the remnant were frightened, and gave glory to the God of heaven. Now the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. These two witnesses mentioned here in chapter 11. First, let's talk about who they are, or who they might be. Um, scripture uh, gives us some indication uh, of, of who they might be, and we'll have to look at the entirety of Scripture to come to a conclusion. Uh, for example, uh, Scripture tells us, It is appointed unto men once to die. And after that, the resurrection. And so we have uh, that scriptural uh, principle that everyone is going to face death one time. Scripture tells us there were at least two uh, that we know of that didn't face death. Uh, they would be Enoch, who went up in the uh, uh, he went out for a walk. The Bible says he was out. Uh, God took him, um, and he was not anymore. And so how that transpired or what the events of that were, we don't know. There were no eyewitnesses that we know of to that. And so Enoch was, and then God took him, and he was not. Now, the other one would be Elijah. And Elijah, we do have an eyewitness. That would have been 
Elisha, uh, who was there watching as the chariot of fire took him up into heaven. And again, he didn't face death. He went up in the clouds to God. So we have many people would say that perhaps these are Enoch and Elijah because of that verse. The scripture that we just read uh, talked about some of the uh, miracles and things that they are able to do. Verse 6 talks about they're able to shut heaven, that it rain not. Well, that's something that Elijah was known for in the days of Ahab uh, as he uh, prayed and the drought happened because of the sin in the land during the days of Ahab. This is something Elijah was part of. The rest of that verse talks about uh, power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues. Well, that's something Moses uh, was involved with before Pharaoh in Egypt as he was trying to get the Israelite people uh, free uh, from the slavery of Egypt and uh, to head to the promised land as God had commanded. And so those are some of the things Moses did. And so we have uh, Elijah now and, and Moses who uh, wrought some of these things by their hand. Uh, these would be things that the Israelites are very familiar with. Uh, the Israelite community would would uh, immediately understand that Elijah is the one uh, who stopped the rain. Who Moses is the one who turned the water to blood and brought the great plagues. And so these are historical figures that are well known in their land. So for them to come back, these would be things that they would immediately recognize are the hand of God uh, through these two prophets. So is it Enoch? Is it Moses? Is it Elijah? Um, I, I think uh, if we look at all the theologians and different commentaries, uh, Elijah is the one constant. Everyone agrees Elijah is one of these. So whether it's Enoch or Moses as the other one, uh, I personally, I would look at the transfiguration. Transfiguration is a time when two came back, of course, on the uh, mountaintop there to minister with Christ, uh, to encourage Christ. Uh, the disciples, uh, the three, Peter, James, and John, were visible to that. They saw that. They were eyewitnesses to that. And it was Moses and Elijah that came back at the transfiguration. So I have a tendency to believe it's probably Moses and Elijah that are these two witnesses. Um, either way, these are two witnesses that God brings back. Uh, we have some indication of who they might be, no direct clarification of exactly who they are. Uh, but these two witnesses are brought back by God. And we see a number of things, just real quick, about their ministry. One, they minister for the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. The more peaceful part of it, the first part of it. Remember, the great tribulation commences the second three and a half as uh, God's wrath is outpoured. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we have them ministering for the first three and a half. And they're, uh, we see that because they minister for three and a half, then they're taken up, and then the 144,000 witnesses go forth and see great evangelism in the second half of the tribulation period. So three and a half years, we see that as the days are mentioned in uh, verse number three of chapter 11, uh, that they will prophesy a thousand two hundred three score days. And so three and a half years on the Jewish calendar. Uh, they're the only witnesses on the earth at the time. So again, verse number four says, these are the two olive trees, the two candlesticks standing before the Lord, uh, before the God of the earth. And so they seem to be the only two witnesses. People rejoice and uh, give gifts when they're dead. And so they're, they're clearly uh, in the vast minority. And again, we'll see the 144,000 later, great evangelism effort later, which I think just draws to a complete conclusion that these two come first, that they are the lone witnesses, that they are God's two candlesticks, that uh, when they uh, are killed, 
um, there in the streets of Jerusalem by the Antichrist, uh, and people rejoice. Later, the 144,000 witnesses come, and there's a great evangelistic explosion, especially within the nation of Israel. The uh, Bible tells us, uh, as they minister for three and a half years, they cannot be harmed. Uh, in fact, it says they breathe fire. If any man will hurt them, verse 5, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and it devoureth their enemies. They, they can't be harmed. They're protected for three and a half years of ministry. Uh, they will send plagues very similar to the Old Testament plagues. We looked at that already in verse number 6. Uh, then, halfway through this tribulation period, or three and a half years into it, they will be murdered by the Antichrist. Verse number 7 says, when they shall have finished their testimony. So when their God-given work is done, that three and a half year period is up. Then the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, will overcome them and kill them. And so they'll be murdered by the Antichrist. This will be a global event. People will be watching, will be tuned into this. Uh, their bodies, it says, will lie in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. and No one will bury them. They won't do anything. In fact, the world starts to rejoice. Uh, there's great celebration. They're giving gifts as if it's Christmas time. Uh, um, uh, why the excitement? Well, it's hard to imagine. I think the state of the anti-Christian sentiment on the earth during the Great Tribulation mainly due to the fact that the church is gone, the Holy Spirit that is indwelled, the believers of the church has been removed, and the state of the unchristian mentality is just overcoming. And so they're so glad these two witnesses are gone. They're so glad that the world celebrates. But then it says, after three and a half days, the spirit of life from God entereth them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon them. And so they are raised from the dead. God himself raises them from the dead there globally, publicly. Uh, we understand with technology today, you know, with uh, CNN, Fox News, and all the different full-time cable networks, with all the things we have on the Internet, the world is able to watch, able to see, and they see them stand up. Uh, life comes back into them. And then a voice from heaven calls down, and they ascend up into heaven. God takes them up into heaven. And so that's the ministry of these two witnesses. Very interesting uh, part of the prophecy as we see them come. Uh, no one really listens. Uh, we don't see any response. Uh, we see, I think, just uh, the beginning of an opportunity for the Israelite nation to see that this is divine intervention. This is something God has brought. These are people from their past that have returned to tell them of what is coming ahead. They don't immediately respond, but immediately after they are killed, we know the Antichrist goes into the temple. Uh, he defames the temple, puts his own image in there, stops the sacrifice. And boy, at that point, the nation of Israel begins to turn in mass. Uh, the 144,000 witnesses are sent out, and there's a great evangelistic explosion, especially among the nation of Israel during the second half of the tribulation period. But these two witnesses come first. They're the ones to come and proclaim what is ahead, what is to come. Uh, it, it infuriates the people. And yet we see certainly their message begins to have an impact upon the consciousness of man.